T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time for Batter Up, the definitive Atlanta Braves podcast with host Joe Patrick and Caleb Johnson, giving you exclusive insight into our Braves from Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Here's Joe and Caleb. Welcome in to Batter Up, the week of May 11th. Caleb Johnson here with you along with my co-host Joe Patrick. Joe, how's it going? It's going great, Caleb. I'm, we were just talking about this before, but it's so exciting that we finally have a good week to talk about because um, it seems like every time we come on this show, we're like, oh, like, you know, this has been poor. So, um, yeah, happy to join. The only problem with this is that we have no... Well, maybe we'll get into some stuff, but like, I feel like normally we propel the team forward by worrying about Freddie Freeman or Ronald Acuna or something. So maybe we'll have to find somebody to worry about so that they can get going um, at the plate or on the mound or whatever. But uh, at least we have some good baseball to talk about. Yeah, I was about to say, look, if you're if you're looking for someone to worry, look no further than myself. <laughs> I will find something on this team. Uh, but you are right, Joe, that we are finally... We're reaching a week where the Braves, since we last spoke, are what five and one, I believe. I, mm-hmm. I wrote on the show sheet. Like it's it's, yep. it's honestly it's one of those that I got to go back to the show sheet and just be like, hold on, <laughs> did I did I see that correctly? Right, five and one, and and overall seventeen and seventeen, so back to five hundred. Some some hope is there. Yeah. I feel like you know it's one of those. Uh, Getting back to 500, just getting back to winning, but also getting back to winning by beating your division, exactly. which I think is very important to what's going on right now. To be dominant against your division at a time where a week ago things were not looking this optimistic is optimistic in itself. Like it's it's exciting. It makes you it makes you want to tune in. As I don't I don't I don't know how Braves fans feel. But I know as someone who's watching the team, look, I, I love the Braves. I, I grew up loving this team. But now also doing so in a analysis sort of way, when the Braves aren't winning, it's not fun to turn over that channel and to want to watch them. It's, you know, it's one of those, if the, for, for me, if the wife's got something that, that she'd rather watch, ah, uh, yeah, I'll put it on the laptop. You know, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, for I, sure. I don't, you know, just... <laughs> Uh, because it becomes not fun. But what we've seen out of the Braves in the last week has been fun. 
And there was something particularly demoralizing about the way that they got swept by the Blue Jays in that series. From everything from playing in a minor league uh, in a minor league stadium without really any yeah. fans, so no buzz in the stadium. To the fact that you're kind of you're blowing leads, um, you're losing games and in extra innings. It's like all the most irritating things that could have happened, like seem to have happened in that series. And then yeah, to just come from a from a broad point of view to to come back and win a series against Washington, where you really were competing in all those games, like really hard. Those were all kind of stressful games. Uh, and the Braves came out on top, which I think is great to see. And I, I think it's got to be a big boost to these players to, you know, to win a game where you really have all the components kind of contributing, maybe not at optimal, you know, like, uh, you know, like, like you could have scored more runs and stuff like that. But at least you got enough offensive production, you got enough pitching and you were able to secure those wins and get that sweep, which I think was just huge from a mental standpoint to actually, you know, win those three consecutive games. And then they come back home and it was really interesting because they get blown out in that first game against Philadelphia. They lose big. I forget what the score was. 12-2, yeah. 12-2, yeah. And then it's like demoralized. It's like, oh, my gosh, are we riding this roller coaster again where it's like we get swept, we you know, we we go and we sweep a team in the division, and then are we going to come home and blow it? And then, um, yeah, so just great to see. And then those last two games, especially that Saturday game, was one that's like a legendary game. That will live in our memories for a long time and certainly I think be one of the kind of turning points for the season, the way that this team was able to come back and really kind of show the kind of team they were um, in in past years where they just like fight to the death, uh, never give up. And, you know, Pablo Sandoval hits that huge home run to send it into extra innings and then that crazy extra innings. Um, I just think that you couldn't have asked for like a better week in terms of boosting the morale of this team based on the way that they won these games and the way that they won both of these series. I do want to go back to something that you mentioned, you know, we were talking about looking for the negative things that have happened out of the last week. Honestly, one of the only negative things is that Friday night game where Charlie Morton just didn't have his best stuff. But I, and I think, cause this was, uh, yeah, that was Friday. So mm-hmm. Saturday I was producing for Chris Goforth and Harry Douglas and those guys obviously wanted to talk Braves, brought me into the discussion. And I think there was some, you know, just this overwhelming sense of like, ah, oh, here we go again with, you know, not not performing well. And and I kind of stopped the bus a little bit, which is typically out of my you nature. Did. Yeah. Wow. I'm yeah. proud of you. <laughs> to say <laughs> to say that, look, this is one bad start from Charlie Morton, and we are one pass ball. From William Contreras, who just honestly didn't have his best stuff that game defensively. We're one pass ball away from maybe this game was a lot more realistic for the Braves to stay competitive. Because I I had a friend who was at the game who said he showed up in the second inning (laughs) and was like, oh, uh, well, this one's over. Uh, you know, <laughs> it was really funny. Brian Snicker was asked about it afterwards. He was like, "Well, that game was it was their first game at full capacity, obviously of the season, and the first time at full capacity since do you remember? Since Mike uh, Fultonevich, Fultonevich in the NLDS right. game five of the 2019 LD- NLDS. So it's kind of funny that Snicker, without being prompted, pointed out he was like that. This kind of reminds me of the last time we were at full capacity. I do, yeah, because I do remember that night. Uh, it was Mark Bowman who tweeted out the fact that I think combined between Fulty and Charlie Morton, 
that they pitched like of a, a full inning between the two of them between you know I think I think Fulty pitched a third of an inning and Morton went two thirds you know it was one of those ha ha yeah, yeah. okay thanks thanks for pulling <laughs> that memory out of the bank you know it just uh, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that I've got a friend who is on another Atlanta United or uh, Braves podcast and if you don't listen to three flags flying I highly recommend it but Brent Blackwell and he tells a funny story I remember listening to the show when after that Cardinals that NLDS game where he was like yeah you know like I went over to my dad's house it was gonna be this big thing we fixed food <laughs> And then we sat down, and the game's already over, and we're just like have a sad plate of food in front. Of yeah, there. But that's there how are. that's kind of how it was. It was like that game was kind of kaput almost well, after that inning. And it's and it's funny you should say that about that game because I do remember that game. I, I I didn't do any big fanfare or anything, but I do remember sitting down watching, getting through the first inning, and I decided, nope. Not doing it. Not doing it. I, t- I turned it off. I turned, turned it the off. Game. Wow. Yeah. Well, because, and I also, I think I had this super superstition kind of going on in my head of like, well, if they turned it around, you know, maybe it's because <laughs> yeah. I, I wasn't watching. But then getting the score updates on my phone was kind of like, no, I'm fine. Just, I, I just, I can't bring myself to, to have this level of misery again. And so I think with Friday night, that was a game where... I I think it was the second inning, after the second inning, that I was like, nope, I'll come back later. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I, I mean, this could be bad that I'm admitting to not watching the Braves, but it was a kind not of a point of, like... Mental health. Well, yeah, exactly. Because that was... <laughs> so, Friday Friday night, for me, personally, was one of the first nights that I had had... Like, I didn't have any other work that I had to get done, and so it was mm-hmm. just, like, an off night. And so when you have an off night and turn on the Braves and there's just boom, six runs on the board, it's kind of like, I'm not doing this to myself. I'm just, yeah. I'm just not. But what I was saying at all the beginning of this is the idea that that wasn't that big of a, like those happen. Sure. And I think yep. the continued runs were the fact that Snit was throwing in guys who just get us through. I don't even care what happens. Just get us through this game. Uh, you know, I mean, it's one of those type of games that positional pitching happens just because you want to finish it and tax your bullpen at the least amount that you can. And so the score might look daunting, but it was like, well, Charlie just had an off night and brushed past it because the likelihood of that continuing is very, very slim. Well, and credit to Josh Tomlin in that game for pitching four and a thirds innings after after Morton and being able to really save a lot of those bullpen arms. Um, they were able to just kind of use, you know, the game was over. So they used Tomlin, Biddle, and Carl Edwards Jr. and Jacob Webb. It's like you didn't really have to use any of your 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 good, you know, salt arms that you want. So, um, yeah, that was just like one of those weird games. And I think it continues a trend for Charlie Morton this season, honestly, where it's like he's been really good in terms of like the stuff um his like better than i expected to be perfectly honest um just the way his stuff looks but he's just been plagued by these really terrible innings uh, that happen here and there and this one it seems like it just happened to happen in the first inning and that and that's just the way it was uh and you know brian snicker said that you know as soon as he walked the pitcher to get, come back around to at the top of the order he was just like <laughs> you know it was just i think i was almost like a rage quit Mo- yeah. moment for Brian Zinger. Yeah. like nope this isn't happening I'm done <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and just went out and had to get him out of there and you know because Charlie he was like yeah I could have stayed in you know um 
And again, to your point, what you said, if things go differently with other players around him, that inning's not a big inning, you know, that's, he's out of there, but, uh, you know, he was kind of kicking himself because these guys all want to pick each other up. And when one of their teammates makes a mistake, you want to try to get them out of that situation. But obviously things just kind of unraveled. So I, but I feel bad for Charlie because I really feel like he's pitched much better this season than his stats would indicate. Like there was a game the other day, I think when he was pitching against the Cubs, he ended up giving up a grand slam to Chris Bryant. So the, the runs got up there, but uh, after that game, Brian Snicker talking to him, he was like, yeah, when the game started, I thought, I honestly thought that he was going to throw no hitter because the yeah. stuff was so good. Um, but then he just runs into some trouble in an inning and, and things blow up a bit, but he's so he's, you know, he's got enough veteran experience where I don't think that somebody like Brian Snicker is worried about that kind of thing where, where he might be worried, more worried about it if it were happening to, you know, a pitcher that doesn't kind of have that same kind of track record. So while Charlie Morton's stats are not great right now at all, they look pretty bad. I'm not that concerned about him. In fact, I'm kind of like confident in him still, even though things have just really not gone his way so far this season. It's not like a Max Fried situation. Situation where how Max Fried was looking earlier this season. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that's it is a time where they say numbers don't lie, but sometimes they can be very misleading. You talking about Max Fried is actually he was the next guy I wanted to to kind of get onto because well he's actually back and looked more like the Max Fried mm-hmm. that hopefully we can count on. You know, it's one of those. Uh, First off, just felt nice to see him back, but then to see him back and perform well, just relieving, honestly. Yeah, yeah. What'd you think? Yeah, I mean, and that's exactly what you wanted to see because you were hoping, I think we were all hoping that, you know, the the, the kind of silver lining of him having an injury like that early in the season is that he could kind of reassess, take a break, take a mental check on what he was doing and kind of get back out there and reinvent himself to an extent. Um and that's exactly what he did, you know, and he said he went back and was looking at the tape and kind of evaluating himself, analyzing, you know, his mechanics, uh, what he was doing early the season. And he said he was rushing to the plate. He noticed very, you know, some some things that I don't have the kind of technical know-how to be able to describe, <laughs> but sure. uh, he was able to, you know, evaluate and see what he was doing wrong. And I think that what you saw in his first start back was, you know, those corrections and he looked really sharp. It's it's really just a shame he didn't he wasn't stretched out enough to well, throw longer in that game because I, he could have kept going. I was just about to say you see his, you see a stat line that he went five innings and you're like, oh, and it's like, no, 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 no. He only went five innings because of a pitch count. Just yeah. because they were like, well, let's not overwork him yet. Let's you threw like you know, eighty pitches or something like that. Yeah, seventy five maybe something. Yeah, slowly bring him along. Only gave up a run. It's one of those. It's it's comforting in that he is getting back to himself, and we could have potentially seen him, like you said, go longer and continue to dominate. Just that everyone wants to be safe rather than sorry. Uh, another guy who we saw a really good start out of that I almost didn't believe was going to happen this year, Drew Smiley, finally <laughs> yeah. finally didn't suck. I, <laughs> I'm not sold yet, to be perfectly uh, honest. Okay, good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what I was just trying to give the guy some credit because, you know, I mean, you were you were a pretty know, big I'm fan of who, his yeah. in the past. Uh, I mean, I'm scarred, just, though. I'm scarred. Well, he he just finally had an appearance where it didn't look awful. Like, yeah, he looked competent. Yeah, 
And and you know, to be fair to him, yeah, he's coming back. He was coming back from this injury, and they don't have a minor league season to go make rehab starts. So his first couple starts after coming back from that layoff, where I think he only missed one start, but um, you know, his first couple starts was clearly not what you would expect, and like the art, the stuff was not what you would expect, which is also what you would expect from somebody who's coming off a little bit of a layoff. So that is kind of you know, if you want to look at it, the glass half full side of it. Maybe that's what we can kind of lean on. But I'm still, for me, the jury's still out. I am, though, happy for him. And he was clearly kind of relieved after the game. He was like, yeah, and it was just nice to be able to finally be able to celebrate with the team after a game, you know, because especially for a new player coming to a new team, you want to feel like you're doing your part your, your part in helping the team win. And, you know, as a starting pitcher, regardless of whether the team wins or not, if you don't put them in a position to win, you're not going to feel like you did your job. And so... Hopefully that can be just some a little bit of a, a moral boost for him, uh, a morale boost, I should say, to kind of, you know, let him settle in, let him feel like he's contributing to the team a little bit more, and maybe he can um, carry on from there. Hopefully he does. I, I hope to see more of that. Finally, I, I think getting to, you know, continuing the conversation about this pitching that we've seen so far is a guy that it's hard to say too much more about what we've seen from Waskari Noah then mother's day kind of being that yep that's uh that's what you're going to get like this is just he is the most consistent Braves pitcher this year and and it's starting to become a point especially you know Charlie Morton having his kind of back and forth issue like starting to become not even close mm-hmm. and the fact it, it, I think it's the way the guys in the clubhouse are talking about Enoa that really gives me a smile because they're just so they're so confident in what he brings and you know whether it's them talking about him boosting their confidence defensively because he's kind of quick to pitch and he doesn't waste any time and so everybody's ready to the fact of now Freddie Freeman says he's got guys coming to first base like Reese Hoskins saying I can't even tell this guy's supposed to have only two pitches, this fastball and slider, and his slider looks like two different pitches. Seems like it's two different sliders. Uh, I've never faced them in live, so I don't really know. So, I, I, I mean, I'll look up, and it looks like a curveball at 85, and the next one's 89. So it's just – it's, it sounds like they're saying there's two different slider, you know, breaks to it, speeds. So that from Freddie Freeman after Sunday's game – where, yeah, he's, he's saying, look, Enoa's throwing a slider, and from my view, it's kind of hard to figure out where it's going, and opposing pitcher, I mean, opposing players are having the same problem, and so, like, maybe this is the secret to the success of Waskar Enoa so far this season. Yeah, Brian Snicker has referred to it as a changeup. Um, it is a different speed. It's a slower speed than his normal hard slider would be. So I don't know what you call it. Maybe a slurve or something like that. Whatever yeah. it is. I think it just does show. I think it kind of um, it, it helps you remember how young he is and still how much <laughs> like he has to do in terms of like adding to his repertoire. 
Um, you know, that was always going to be one of the issues for him coming into the season as a starting pitcher was if you're if you're only throwing two pitches, you know, maybe sometimes that can work out for you. But then the more and more over the course of a season, you're going to get figured out. You can only kind of mix yeah. up two pitches for so much as a starting pitcher and keep hitters off balance. And just to incorporate that third pitch, um, not only is that just one other thing that 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 hitters have to think about, but it also because of that, it you, it makes those other two pitches more effective when you're changing speeds like that. So um, it's great to see that he's able to already incorporate that at such an early age and kind of doing it on the fly during a regular major league baseball season. And he's, you know, having, he's so effective with it. Um, It's kind of crazy that we're like looking at him as a potential (laughs) all-star as a guy who we we didn't have to. Yeah. Yeah. And a guy that we didn't even think, or we're we're sure that he was going to one, make the opening day roster, let alone be in the starting rotation. Um, And the fact that he's like years younger than Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson, these guys that we always talk about, it's just like, Man, I'm, it's so exciting to see. And he's got, you know, he's also just kind of got the prototype of, um, he's like that prototype of pitcher of what you want to see. He's like a big, strong guy, can throw hard, you know. It just makes you really excited for what he could be, considering he's just kind of still figuring out his own arsenal of, of pitches and what he can do on the mound. Yeah, I think part. I think part of the exciting portion of this is that he is so young and already so dominant. I think that is, if I am hesitant about something and slightly like, oh, okay, uh, is just a little bit of discomfort in the fact that, oh, he is so young. Mm-hmm. And not that it's just going to like break down at some point, but because he hasn't experienced certain things through playing multiple Major League Baseball seasons, I just, I do wonder about when the summer months hit if there's going to be any discrepancy from what we're seeing right now. Uh, but it's it's not enough. Like, it's one of those, that's that's like worrying that at any point, you know, uh, a tornado is going to come through <laughs> and, like, take my yeah. house down. Like, it's one of those, sure, I could get You go into car- your bomb shelter and worry yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, it, it is kind of like when those thoughts kind of creep in your head, you're like, ah, I don't know. It's like, no, I, I mean, mean, it's fair. It's fair, though, because, you know, the... Again, to what I was talking about, players are going to kind of there will be a book developed on him, you know, similar to the way that it was on Austin Riley. Again, he's not a pitcher, but, you know, as when you're a rookie, you come up and players that you regularly face, especially in the division, um, kind of learn about you and what you like to do. And they, you know, are able to sometimes figure you out a little bit and you have to change things up. And so I'm sure that Waskar, you know, will go through a stretch where he starts to struggle, um, gives up more contact. But um We'll we'll we'll, I, we'll we'll run into that whenever it happens because and right now I'm just like kind of riding the gravy train here. It's like what a what a honestly like a savior he's been for this team to re- give them some stability in this rotation while you're going through these issues. Not only with the Soroka setback, but with Max Fried obviously going on the DL. There's been so much kind of choppy waters here in this rotation. It's been nice. Who knew it was going to be Waskar Yanoa who was going to be your stabilizing force? But you know, th- thank God he's here. Yeah, well, and it's just, it's so funny because I look back at conversations that I've had with friends and people on Twitter months ago, or even a, a month ago, where it was this idea of like, yeah, well, I mean, Enoa's looking good now, but it's probably not going to stay like this, and I was saying, oh, maybe I think he should go back to the bullpen and help out a struggling bullpen, and to see this now, it's like, oh, don't, 
touch a thing. <laughs> yeah. Leave it just like it is. Because, like, I mean, the, the there is so much uncertainty and, and kind of this roller coaster of how starting pitching has looked this year that as of 12.30 on Tuesday, there's a game tonight against the Blue Jays. We still don't know who's going to pitch that game. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, you know, because of... I think that's a we expect either a Kyle Wright or um or Bryce Wilson. I don't know where they are in in their days of rest. Their rotation. Yeah, yeah. from Gwinnett cuz obviously Gwinnett's been playing right now and playing pretty well is the the little peaks I've taken over there. Tucker Davidson had a crazy good game yeah, he did. Uh, the other day where the where the Stripers just scored a bunch of runs. But it's this like with there being so much uncertainty, don't don't fix what isn't broke, you know. And right. and right now, Oscar right. Enoa is incredible, and he's consistent for the most part, and fun. And like I was saying when I kind of started this conversation, is and he has the backing of the clubhouse, which is such a huge thing. That I think you sometimes you get guys who will avoid talking about how the fit is in the clubhouse with a pitcher. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, no, he's he, he's a great guy. He's a oh, good guy, great guy, good stuff. Going to be good, you know, going to be good. You know, just, like, avoid yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I think what I saw out of Freddie Freeman on Sunday was he went out of his way to talk about how he just keeps the team ready and, and he's such a, a, a big boost to the confidence of this team that – Seems like only up from here to continue to grow. Yeah, for sure. And we even even talked about his hitting. Uh, that's the thing. It's like okay, He's like OPSing over a thousand. Yeah, he he hit on he had a base hit on Sunday. So that's is that three or four games now that he's successfully hit in. I think it's I think it's three. Definitely, okay. definitely, definitely three. Could be four. Well, yeah, I was about to say because he's got two home a home run, a grand slam, and a base hit. I mean, th- that home run that he hit, was that against the the Nationals this week? I can't remember if that was against the Nationals this week or if it was... I think it was. Okay. Anyway, that one that he hit the right center, that was crushed. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that he was, like, holding the finish on a swing, too. He's like, he knew he got it. Yeah, it was this. It was definitely this week because uh, Marcelo Zuna... Yeah, Marcelo Zuna was talking about... Uh, he told, like, a really funny conversation. Ah, oh, shoot. I should have pulled the audio up for it. I don't have it ready, so I won't waste our time but um he told this funny story about how when you know went up for his second at bat he like hit a fly ball and uh, when he came back in the dugout he was like pissed he was like i just missed it i just missed it and then um he's like i'm gonna hit one next time and then he goes up there and hits a hits a home run so yeah as, as a as a mini point though i would like to bring this to because i heard this discussion happened after enoa has kind of done what he's done so far this season and this idea of because I, I, uh, Paul, um, blanking on his last name on the Bally Bird. Sports broadcast, Paul Bird, Bird. thank you. Uh, he mentioned this idea of like, oh, see, this is the great example of why designated hitters don't need to come to the National League because you're going to miss out on things like this. And I would like to make the point <laughs> that Enoa oh, is the exception to yeah, the rule. Yeah. Like, please, let's, <laughs> let's not be, let's not do that. And also, because, and I honestly believe this, with Enoa doing what he's doing, we've seen it from Max Fried in the past, Mike Soroka in the past, of guys who can put a bat on the ball as mm-hmm. a pitcher. Is this, it's not like 
that opportunity is going to completely go away. There's honestly, there could be times late in game or you don't want to waste, uh, you know, some of your bench. And so why not run out Waskari Noah if yeah. he can consistently make contact? He's not going to lose that opportunity just because the designated hitter is there. He just won't see as many plate appearances, which will probably be to his benefit. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, I want to uh, talk about one other player. I don't know if we were going to talk about him later or not, but I want to talk about him in the context of all these pitchers, which is uh, William Contreras, who's come up and he's, yeah. you know, he's he, he, uh, Travis Darno was hurt at the end of last week. So we knew that tra- that William Contreras was going to be playing for most of this week, which he did. Um, I'm kind of I just wanted to get your impression uh, or I'm curious what your impressions were of him after seeing him for a week. I've always been really high on William Contreras just because of what offensively he brings. And I think we always knew that defensively is where you're going to have to kind of live with some things. Mm -hmm. I feel like that just got confirmed over this stretch where he's, he's going to be fine. This is the future catcher of the Atlanta Braves. He got thrown in much earlier than he was anticipating and at a time where it's not like he had days of preparation to work with these pitchers. So you're going to see some quote unquote growing pains. Mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, it's one of those, I won't say, oh, he was just incredible, but he also, he wasn't terrible. And I believe, I think this is part of it too. He was better than what Alex Jackson would have given you in the same circumstances. Oh yeah. And Definitely. so I'm living with it. Like it's one it's one of those we saw you know, we've we've had Tyler Flowers in the past, a guy who sure he'll frame a great game, but it's probably not gonna give you much offensively. And so I feel like I'll much rather take the opposite and what are, what you're gonna get out of Contreras in the idea that he can still grow defensively because he is young and he has a brother to use as an example mm-hmm. and to work with every offseason. So I'm I, I like what I see. Well, I think that, you know, again, when you point to Wilson Contreras, you know, I think that that's so important for William. And, you know, I think that we are already seeing how having somebody having a relationship like that um, can rub off on just like how, how like some of the the small things about the position that can really make a big difference. You sent a really funny tweet over um or a, a text that was a tweet of remember in the in the game where you know it was pitching against the Nationals and uh, and Contreras oh, was yeah. doing he was he was like tell he was like get, he Calm was like down coordinating his breathing yeah yeah he, it was, that was so funny and that but that's like a, you know kind of like a, a a thing that you would expect a much more experienced catcher Leadership. to do yeah for sure and then Max Reed talked about him um, when he pitched his first game coming back from injury saying that, you know, he came up and had a good conversation with him between innings after the first couple innings, um, and he was really good about asking, like, what do you like? What are you feeling like going with? And was willing to, and honestly, like, proactively looking to kind of adjust the game plan based on the way Max was feeling, especially coming back from an injury like that. You, he probably didn't know exactly how his stuff was going to feel on the day, and he was like, that was really impressive to just kind of um, you know, see a catcher like that who who's kind of has that wherewithal to to understand a pitcher's mentality, um, and to be able to adjust on the fly like that and adjust the game plan is really impressive. And that's on top of again what you were saying, all the uh, you know the offensive production that you get from him. He obviously had the big hit in the extra inning game, 
Um, so just a, I, I think a big confidence building week for William Contreras and, um, you know, it wasn't perfect, like you mentioned. And I think that he was obviously at fault in a big way for that, the Braves loss on Friday with Charlie Morton. But, um, I think overall you couldn't have asked for a, a much of a better week from a guy like him. Who's, who's as young and inexperienced as he is. Yeah, absolutely. Now a guy who hasn't necessarily been, was thrown in in 2020 into the season, but has now kind of been brought along and he's supposed to be heralded as the next great center fielder, although we haven't really seen it this season, is Christian Pache. What's your what's your concern level with Pache as right now he's batting 107 on the season? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, my concern level is uh, short term, obviously very high. You know, um, I'm not that concerned about him long term. Like, I still feel like he will. Yeah, we always expected him to struggle at the plate this season um, and to kind of work his way in. Obviously, I don't think the struggles were expected to be this bad. And I do feel like at this point, it's like, are you doing more damage by leaving him up um, against competition where he's completely overmatched and just you know, demoralizing his confidence and potentially even his, his technique in certain situations if he's trying to overcompensate and things like that. Um, so I do wonder if it would be better off for the team to to send him to AAA. I mean, I know they don't want to do that, but if that's what it takes to regain his confidence, I don't know what other choice you honestly have. And, you know, what we saw from Guillermo Heredia when he was healthy um, earlier this season was like it was a noticeable offensive you know, an increase in offensive production from that kind of portion of the lineup. And so it's kind of tantalizing, honestly, to think about getting some hitting (laughs) from that eighth spot and with a guy like Heredia on top of kind of what we're seeing from the rest of this order this week, trying to heating up a little bit with Dansby Swanson getting going, Marcelo Zuna starting to hit a little bit more. We've seen Freddie Freeman start to pop. So when you get that and you can add a Guillermo Heredia to it, I mean, I think that that is has the makings of of a pretty important or a pretty impressive um, offensive lineup. And, you know, again, the defensive aspect of it, I don't know how much exactly you're losing by, by, you know, replacing Guillermo Heredia with Christian Pache. Obviously it's a, it's a slight downgrade. It's a, I mean, it's a, it's a significant downgrade just in terms of their defensive abilities because Christian Pache is so good, but it's like how important is it to like be able to make a diving catch once every yeah, well, three weeks or whatever, you know, like however, you know, how much, how much is that really improving the team overall is the question, especially right now. I, you almost stole some of the words that I kind of had going on in my head, uh, out of my mouth in the idea that I think if not for Heredia hitting the injured list, we might still not be seeing Christian Pache. Yeah. I, I think it was the, Pache's injury of what got him to Gwinnett seemed like a solid excuse. And I think we might have touched on this last week. I can't exactly remember if, you know, I kind of brushing over the idea of, well, he had to come back because then Heredia goes down. And I don't, because I, I, was, I was bouncing around in my head of this idea of like, okay, when Ender's healthy and he comes back, do you make the move then? I don't think so. I think a different move will get made when Ender comes back. But when Heredia comes back, yeah, I'm thinking so. I'm thinking Pache 
needs to go down and see some AAA level talent just on the basis of boosting the confidence because like you were saying about changing technique I I feel like I was witnessing that this weekend of you know there were times with Pache at the plate where he's just flinging the bat out yeah just yeah. trying to hey maybe I can get some contact on the ball and maybe it'll go somewhere like it's just I, I, it's it's chaotic, and to your point about what he's going to bring you defensively, like that is really good, and you want that, but not at the expense of knowing he's a surefire out right now, which is what he is at the major league level, and it it's just it's disappointing. I think because of the the promise that we got of him. But even before what we saw out of him at the end of last season, but just kind of building the excitement, the hype around mm-hmm. him for him to it's one thing to kind of fall flat. But for him to just I mean, 107, it that's rough. Yeah, it, that, it, it, it is. It, I, I do think to be fair to him. He was, you know, kind of rushed into this position because he is so good defensively. But yeah. he only has 26 games played in triple A. Yeah. So he's he's actually okay. played almost as many games in the major leagues now as he has played in his AAA yeah. career. Uh, I think that sometimes we forget how quickly he was rushed up. Not dis- dissimilar to William Contreras, although their circumstances are a little different. I mean, they're both kind of that raw. And I would even say like William, a guy like William Contreras, because of what we were talking about earlier with his brother and everything, he's probably you're you can reasonably expect him to come up and be a little bit more prepared to play at the major league level. Um, as opposed to Pache. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's disappointing that he's been so slow at the plate because it does, it feels like it's hampering um, how quickly he's going to be able to ramp up his career in general in terms of just being a, a legitimate starting center fielder at the major league level. I kind of wonder how long it will take, how much time he needs at AAA before he's ready, but I do think that it's probably the move that you have to make if you're the Braves. I think you don't, you know, obviously once you start a player's clock, you don't want to have to, you know, lose that time with them in triple a but i mean clearly he's not helping you at the at the major league level right now so i don't really see what other choice you have uh a guy i do want to kind of go step back into the pitching world because of a guy who's been brought in and there's a lot of uncertainty around him because you have high hopes of what shane green is going to bring to the bullpen after being signed this week but he wasn't on any other major league roster We talked about this for a few weeks uh, on Batter Up and the idea that, well, what are you going to get out of him? I mean, he's so eager to be on the team. He's showing up to games by, you know, on his own, seeing seeing pretty desperate. (laughs) That would be legendary. Yeah. And then you see see the deal that he gets signed to, which is $1.5 million, but it's prorated. So we're kind of closer to 1.2 and it's like... Mm -hmm. Oof. What are you what are you expecting out of what we're going to get out of Shane Green? Well, so I don't know, honestly, obviously, but um my expectations are on the low end right now. I'm not expecting big things from a player who's been in the situation that he is in where you look at him and he has not thrown if you when you take into account the fact that last year was so short, um there's really a very few innings having been thrown between 2019 and where we are today. 
Uh, And I do wonder what kind of condition his arm is in because of that. Maybe it's in better condition because it's been rested or something. I don't know. I I don't know exactly what to expect, but I I am just kind of like tempering down my expectations for him, especially in the short term. Maybe, maybe over time, you know, he, he will improve and I'm sure that will happen. Um, But I'm not expecting much right now, but I will say that, you know, for the deal that he signed, I think that's a absolutely reasonable deal. And that's the kind of deal where you would have, um, but I would have been fully on board with signing Shane Green before the season for $1.5 million. And I have to think that his asking price came down. And yep. that's the reason why oh, he's 100%. now on the Braves. Yeah, I think this was a this was the kind of deal where after you saw it, Braves fans and Braves Twitter were like, oh, you mean we could have had this guy for this? And it was like, no, no, no. come on. Yeah. Come on now. You know better than that. Some other team you- would have, if the Braves didn't pull the trigger on that, some other team would have for that price. Yeah, it's like yeah, you know his asking price has come down because honestly, I was I was becoming I was getting to the the point where I was like I don't think the Braves are going to bring him back. I just I don't think this is going to yeah. happen. I think he saw Atlanta as the ideal location for him to kind of continue his career, and I don't know that Atlanta felt the same way where it was like I, and whether that was a misstep by Alex Anthopoulos of saying, hey, I think our bullpen is good enough to not, quote-unquote, overpay for a guy like Shane Green. But it reached the point of Braves desperation. You know, I think Shane Green had a moment of desperation, which was showing up to a game and being like, hey, I'm ready. I think the Braves reached a moment of desperation where it's like, no, look, we need him. We we, we need something. We, 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 need, we at least need to take a flyer on him and see if he can bring us something because our bullpen hasn't been consistently good enough, even though thankfully Sunday it was. But yeah, I, I think it was two separate moments of desperation that, that got Shane Green back to Atlanta. I mean, when you look at his per- career, I think it's pretty easy to kind of suss out what, what the situation probably was, where if you look at him in 2018, he had 32 saves with the Tigers. In 2019, he had 23 saves with the Tigers and the Braves. And then the la- you know, then in last year he once he basically once he moved to Atlanta he wasn't a closer essentially he only had one yeah. he's only has one save with the Braves even though he may have been brought in with the expectation that he would have been but i think that you know for a guy like him he's 32 years old and you know if he wants one big contract he probably you know you want to get that contract as a closer and he probably was holding out you know for trying to get closer money and, and a closer role on a team but clearly that wasn't there for him um so maybe this is an opportunity for him to try to again do one year with the Braves, try to you know show teams, whether it's the Braves or anybody else uh, around baseball, that you can be that guy and then maybe get that big contract again. But I think it's clear that he was holding out for that. So, it, and it, it hey, if he does show that he's if he's super impressive this year for the Braves and he gets a closer role with some other team after this season, I think that that's a totally mutually beneficial uh, situation for both the player and the club. So I don't think that there's any issue with that whatsoever. And, you know, hope I hope that it happens, to be perfectly honest. To kind of wrap up our conversation today, I did want to maybe start something on Batter Up that we'll, we'll do a little bit more consistently, is showing some love to a specific player or a specific play that really caught our attention the last week. And I think one to start out with is kind of a, a diamond play of the week is is what we saw out of Tyler Matzik. I mean, that was one of the most insane things you'll ever see out of a reliever who the ball comes 
by him and he just slings his arm around and then the wherewithal joe to like gather step throw to dansby and dansby's ready and just pops it and you you move a double play like that it's just i keep seeing it on my twitter timeline and i feel like i stop every time and i'm like i gotta see it again (laughs) i know yeah it's so much fun and and kudos to tyler matzik of being able to pull that off uh, especially after Freddie Freddie Freeman says this came from all of the hard summer days of shagging balls out in the outfield. He he told me it was all those years of being on the bucket for BP and doing trying to catch balls over their heads. You know what pitchers do uh, during BP, trying to make it fun for them because it can get grueling in the summertime having a shag batting practice for us every day. So that's what he he credited his catch for that. Yeah, you know, it was funny. I would credit, I, I, I tweeted this after the game, but it was like, it was like angels in the outfield, you know, when, uh, <laughs> yeah. when jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt starts flapping his wings and like an angel comes in and swoops and like grabs a player's arm and like twists it around his body and catches, like that's like l- legitimately what that <laughs> reminded me of. But it was, a, the, what was so incredible about it, you, I mean, you talked about this, but just the smoothness of it. Like it was yeah. like there was no hesitation or... He he didn't have ever have to like readjust. It was just all it one wasn't motion. Awkward. It was perfect. Yeah, I think part of it too, and this is where maybe I'll make more of that play than should be made. Is the fact of that to me was a pinpoint of the Braves' luck is back because <laughs> yeah, you don't pull yeah. off that play. You don't pull off that play without luck, just for the timing and the position of your arm and everything. And then the seamlessness of getting it to second base. You don't pull off that play without luck. And the Braves have used luck in the past on top of their skill to propel them to great lengths. And so it was nice to see, okay, Braves winning five out of six, getting plays like that. Like These are the possibilities when the Braves are not only playing well, but luck is on their side, angels in the outfield style kind of scenario. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I, don't know. I don't know what else to say about it, but that I don't know, like, web gem. Just uh, like, number yeah. one web gem right there. Like, that was just awesome. That was so funny. No, it, it was. It, it was a fun play. It was a fun weekend, a fun week. One that hopefully will continue as tonight you, uh, a series gets started against the Blue Jays who the Braves really struggled against a couple weeks ago. I want to emphasize how fun it was. I was there uh, on Mother's Day. Uh, my parents came, and I just like met with oh, them. Nice. And we like hung out in the chop house for a couple hours before the game and stuff. And it was so fun. I mean, with you know 100% capacity, again, you can make your own decisions as to whether you want to be in that environment or not. But, um, you know, our my, my decision and my family's decision is we're all vaccinated, so we're fine and yeah. um man it was just so fun it was so fun to be there um the whole mother's day experience just seeing a lot of other moms there um yeah just can't say enough about it and i would just highly recommend anybody who's on the fence about whether they if you want to go but you don't you know obvi- again i can't you know make that health decision for you but um would just highly recommend i can't overstate how how fun it is to be out there at the ballpark around a bunch of other people yeah i'm honestly joe i'm waiting for a day where you're busy covering Atlanta United or doing something else, and and I get out there. I I think before that happens, I'm just going to get out there as a fan. I've got some family coming into town uh, for Memorial Day weekend, 
And even though their potential exists, I could be moving that weekend. It's like, no, I'll spare four hours to yeah. go catch a game. And and just, uh, I know this this term, this phrase gets overused, but like returning to a sense of normalcy is just, just kind of that, like, man, this yeah. is, you, you take those little things for granted that I think we won't do as often i'm sure we'll we'll kind of get back to an a day where it's like oh yeah this is what we do but for for the the upcoming time recent now it's like just enjoying those little moments and and getting back to fans in the ballpark and just enjoying hopefully good weather and and returning like i said to this sense of, of normalcy will be nice as as we continue on and baseball is one of those sports too. Is like when a home run, when there's a home run, and it was just noticeable when it, it wasn't sold out. I don't think any of these games officially sold out, but they were just yeah. like a couple thousand short or whatever. Um, when a home run hits and that ball goes over the fence and it's like pop, like the pop of the of the crowd, you know, giving that cheer, it's like oh, it sends like tingles yeah. and it, it, it like it like makes you like shiver a little bit. Cause it's like man, you have just haven't been around that kind of that that I- ambiance in forever. I think I I heard a podcaster the other day talk about the fact that people probably didn't realize that sports needs a laugh track. Like you watch your <laughs> yeah. you watch your favorite sitcom and if it doesn't have a laugh track, it just sounds weird. Yeah. And yeah. so to watch sports like jokes ha- don't land. Yeah. Yeah, to watch sports have their laugh track back with fans being in the stands really does make a difference and it makes it seem more normal and exciting and worth tuning in for. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. I just hope everybody who wants to get out there can get out there. Cause it's, it's a ton of fun. I even noticed it on TV too, with like announcers, like their energy picks up yeah. naturally because you know, you've got shouting fans around you. So yeah, just such a good time. All right. Well, that's all we've got for today's episode. This was a good time. It was. It was. Uh, look out for us to come next week. We're kind of playing around right now. If we kind of take you behind the curtain between me and Joe of playing with Mondays and Tuesdays, what works well for schedule and and work. And like I said, I'm going to be moving here pretty soon. And so that could alter some things. But look out for us to be uh, coming to you every week at some point every during week. the week. Yeah. Um, consistently and and hopefully once we come back again next week we'll have more positive things to talk about the Braves another winning streak um, more consistency and maybe we'll bring you more consistency on batter up as well I'm feeling like it's gonna happen I feel like this team is about to go on a run that's that's, that's, that's I'm getting those those vibes we'll see yeah everybody look uh, subscribe to our podcast uh, the batter up wherever you listen to podcast especially on uh, Odyssey our parent company, yo, gotta 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 hype up. Boop, boop, boop. Yeah. yeah, gotta gotta hype up the company. Um, you know, get us get us all paid. But <laughs> no, seriously, like, subscribe, you know, comment, ask us any questions on Twitter if you see something that you would like us to cover. But otherwise, Definitely. have a great week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.